0: Welcome everyone to the 602 Club. I'm just excited to be here tonight. Uh, We had to clean the place up. We had some guy named Logan come in and kind of, well, he wrecked the place uh, with another young woman with a katana. Uh, So we are getting back to normal, uh, but I'm excited to have back for the first time in quite a while, the one and only Megan. How's it going, Megan?
1: I'm good. I'm so glad to be back. It, it's been it's been too long. I haven't podcasted in a really long time, so I'm glad to be back in the driver's seat behind a microphone.
0: Uh, I'm I'm glad to have you back. And what's really exciting uh, here is is that you know we're going to be talking about the Wolverine tonight, and then next week you're going to come back and you're going to join us to talk about Logan, Logan, which is just so exciting. And uh, you know we haven't talked a ton of the X-Men universe. We talked about Apocalypse last year. We're talking about the Wolverine and Logan next week. Uh, we will definitely dive into the rest of those films down the line uh, because I, I really enjoyed the X-Men universe. So I'm so excited yeah, to do this.
1: Yeah, I'm a total X-Men universe uh, fan. Uh, I was really into reading some of the some of the different comic book runs that were happening uh, right around the time when these movies, when the first X-Men movie came out. And I've always been... Uh, a big Rogue fangirl, uh, so I just I love talking about the mutant universe.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I mean it's um, obviously growing up, you had the uh, cartoon being a big thing, oh, you that know, was so great was a big that deal. show. Yeah, and uh, and then of course for me, uh, I really introduced to the X Men universe through the film, you know, Brian Singer's first mm-hmm. X Men film. So I mean that really brought it to the forefront for me, and and kind of set me on a path to really. I think fall in love with, with superhero films in general. You know, I, I mean, I liked them up to that point, but there was something about that film that just ushered in kind of a brand new version of superhero films, and we'll definitely have to talk about that one day. But we're not here for that. We're here to talk <laughs> about uh, The Wolverine. And before we do that, just want to remind everybody, you know, you can find all the shows we do here on Trek FM at iTunes at iTunes.com slash Trek FM. We're a featured provider there. Um, hit us up with a star rating and review. It's it's really important to help the show grow, and we really do appreciate it. Uh, it just it means the world to us that you let us know uh, with the star rating uh, and a few written words of what you're thinking about the show. And of course, it helps us rise in those iTunes rankings. Those strange workings I can't even explain how that all works. You can find us all over the place too. Best place to kind of go and see where all you can find us is trek.fm. That is our Website And of course, while you're there, you can hit discussion on the menu bar there. That'll bring you to our listeners only discussion group on Facebook called the Babel Conference. Uh, And in fact, if you're just in Facebook, you can type Babel into the search field there. You can join the group, talk to everybody else that's listening to the shows and a part of the network about everything that's going on. And while you're on the website, you could go to trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and you could send your thoughts to us about what you think about the Wolverine or anything else that we've talked about here on the show uh, recently, and maybe even ideas of things you'd like to hear us talk about. Those are always fun. We're on Twitter at Trek.fm. We're all over the place. And of course, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. So, Megan, this is an interesting movie because obviously it comes after a lot of X-Men movies have already happened. So we've gotten X-Men, X2, X-Men The Last Stand. We've got Wolverine's Origins that have all happened before. So there's a lot of continuity out there. But this one kind of comes around and um, I don't know, I, 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 I thought of it this way. It uses some Rotten Tomatoes yeah to make a fresh tomato and I, oh that's I thought, such a
1: great way to put it yeah thank you
0: um uh, well you know it, it, it's funny because if you look at the films that they use the last stand and, and wolverine's origins and some of those story points those are all films that were not reviewed very well yeah and, and
1: they're my least favorite out of you know that yes, whole list yes. yeah
0: absolutely same here And, um, I was actually, I I remember going, uh, just kind of going back in time a little bit. I remember watching this film and being completely shocked that they were using story points from those movies, specifically even Last Stand to create this story. I, I just did not expect that to happen. I kind of expected them to, you know, make it seem like that didn't even exist,
1: Well, since X-Men First Class came out in 2011, that's two years before uh, this one came out, it is really interesting that James Mangold decided to do kind of what you were talking about, where he's trying to make something fresh out of some really rotten tomatoes. And uh, I mean, because with with uh, First Class, they really tried to undo some of that nasty stuff, right? Um, but I... I kind of applaud Mangold for taking this different direction and I think all of the Jean Grey stuff right this is a Wolverine piece and in the Brian Singer established universe we know how much he's into Jean and that's not unusual I mean that's something from the comic books and from the original cartoon series so I think bringing in that character element makes a lot of sense for the character and then he's off on his own adventure which you know, who doesn't want to see Wolverine on his own adventure, right?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think that's actually really a, a good way to put all of that. And and uh, just some background that I found was really interesting about this film, uh, and, and I w- had to be recalled, I was doing some research, uh, you know, Darren Aronofsky was going to direct this movie. And oh, uh, when they that. decided that they were going to film basically all overseas, whether it be in... Um, uh, Australia and Japan and all of these places, he just didn't want to be away from his family that long. And mm. so they had to find a new director and they got James uh, Marigold to come in and, and to do this, uh, James Mangold, excuse me. And so uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's one of those films where we talk about uh, all the things that have happened recently. I think people forget um some of the, the ways in which uh, comic book movies have always had some changes of the guard. You know, people keep making fun of the DC movies for losing directors, but this isn't new. I mean, this is, I mean, this happened here. It happened with Ant-Man. It's, it's happened many times and it will continue to happen again. So, um, but you're absolutely right that I think the thing that I thought was so smart about the movie is that it's, it's a story about Logan, And what's the most pivotal thing that's happened to Logan that we've seen? It's having to kill Gene. And yes, that movie is crappy. (laughs) But that story point for him is the most important thing. Exactly. And it's also created this thing, you know, the last stand, um, you know, since we haven't seen anything since then, this movie kind of creates this sense that the X-Men have kind of been almost disbanded, like that the, you don't get the sense that they're doing a lot and Wolverine is having a very hard time dealing with what... I mean, he, he basically has, I, I think, uh, PTSD, You know, which is strange mm-hmm. to think that a, a person who's lived this long and done all that he's done has, is finally truly experiencing that in, in this way. I, I, which again, it makes for a really interesting character for this you know, this person who's lived for such a long time.
1: Well, and for me, and I think in this, in this movie, it, it really comes out, you know, Log, Logan gives you the opportunity. Logan, the character, gives you the opportunity to explore that idea of immortality um, and what that means to a person. And you know, yeah, he's pretty much immortal. But that doesn't mean that he's not still human with human emotions and doesn't have reactions to things because he ultimately does still live in the moment. And even though he's been alive for so long, he's still affected when the people that he loves are injured and killed. And, you know, that's one of those things. I'm a big fan of like vampire stories. And that's always an element that they're exploring So I think part of the reason why I've always been attracted to the Wolverine character is because it's another way to explore that whole view of immortality. And that's a big part of this movie because Yoshida really wants that immortality. uh, And so, you know, he's, he's trying to frame it as you know, I'm taking pity on you because I know how difficult immortality has been for you, Logan, but really I just want it for myself for my own selfish means. And so that's always just been kind of a story that I'm, I'm always fascinated with for whatever weird reason. Yeah. You know, I think
0: that's, it, it, I think that's a really interesting thing. Uh, want to mention one more thing just about the story and then jump right into what you're talking about. But, uh, what's fascinating to me is the way that they use this uh not only to bridge from you know last Stand and some of the things we get in Wolver- Wolverine origins which is the whole immortality thing uh but that this is going to be what we use to get us to days of future past which is going to connect all the way back to X-Men yeah. first class so that this movie is is kind of a pivot point for everything mm-hmm. you know the-, the way that we're going to bring you know first class and we're gonna bring new school and old school together. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think it's it's really fun to see the way that they they use this on purpose, and and they tell a specific story for Logan, but they also use it to their advantage for everything else. And I think that's really awesome. Um, and you know, I for me, Wolverine is is the character that I love so much. Anyway, from in you can make fun of me. It's fine, internet. But I love I love the character of, of Logan. So, What's not
1: to love? I'm sorry. I, He's I mean, just, I don't know. Yeah, I love him.
0: You know, maybe it's just because I wish I looked like you, Jackman, but I don't. <laughs> so I just like to pretend in my dreams that I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but the, the whole thing about, you know, is immorality a curse or a blessing is a really interesting story point. And it's something, like you said, you know, you've, had that in literature for a long time with vampires and other things like that. And, you know, as human beings who die, uh, and that's a part of life, you know, to live a life where you don't, that's a, that's hard. Yeah. It's a hard life. That's a mind job. uh, Exactly. And, and it's interesting to see that, you know, obviously in the first X-Men movie, you have Wolverine who is very raw and has just kind of come out of his experience with Stryker and being turned into the Wolverine and all the things that have gone wrong in that. And he doesn't remember so much of it, you know. So he has a a, a mental block to all that. But this is a Wolverine who remembers everything now. And what he remembers the most is what he was required to do to save the world and it destroyed him and to live with that still and not be able to die or ever having the hope of that going away yeah really because it's always going to be with him forever and ever and ever is a fascinating thing and it it made me you know to me, and maybe people think I'm crazy for going here with a Wolverine movie, but it does ask those metaphysical questions of are you, are we meant to live forever? What would it be like to live forever? You know, is it good to want to live forever? I mean, um, or are we meant for something different? I mean, because then you ask questions about heaven and hell and all that kind of stuff too. And it's like, you, to me, I just start asking those questions because of this character and his experience in this like, it it seems like never ending trauma.
1: Yeah. Well, and I don't think you're crazy for going there because I think it's in the movie. I I, I think it's not a, a far jump to be asking those questions because it is straight up presented to us as as viewers. And yeah, it's a it's a superhero movie and it's full of great action sequences and it's got some comedy in it and you know, all of that stuff, but that doesn't mean that it can't ask those big questions that you're talking about.
0: Well, and and I think That's one of the fun things is, you know, it it asks the question and obviously it has some answers to it, but I mean, still it it just left me thinking from what I believe, you know, the the whole idea is we are meant to live forever, but it's not meant to live forever like this in this current state where, you know, everything is just not right and it's, it's ugly and evil is all over around and you know yeah I wouldn't want to live forever in that you know like yeah. who would uh, and that's what and I think the curse in the end that Logan has is he is being forced to live forever in that yeah, you know and it, it it's just not ending for him and that's that is definitely a curse I don't I don't see there being a ton of blessing in that except for the perspective of the way in which time If you had longer, you can see how things that you thought maybe were bad actually became something that turned into good. And, you know, we look through a large swath of history. We're able to see some of those things. But we don't usually live long enough to be able to recognize them. Yeah. Uh, And that's the blessing that Logan would have. It's just at this point in this film... That's hard for him to see in any sense of the word.
1: Well, and I think we do see that a little bit, right? Because he, we see his experience in Nagasaki when the bomb was dropped, and then we see him in Nagasaki later on with Mariko, and he sees how that place has gone from being pure, pure de- destruction to being a place that's full of life and joy and. You know, what we see on camera and what Logan sees on his trip there, it's almost like it never even happened, even though it definitely did. And it hugely affected the place. But you can see how beauty can grow out of destruction. It just takes a really long time. And like you're pointing out, so long that most of us will never experience it firsthand.
0: That is so well put. I I just want to clap. I'm not going to because it would hurt your ears here on a podcast. But I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, It reminds me of one of my favorite uh, book duologies uh, by an author called Mary Doria Russell. And she wrote a book called The Sparrow and the Children of God. And it is one of the best sci-fi series that I've ever read. And it actually deals with this whole idea of, in some ways, time travel. Uh, because the space travel gives them you know relativity of age, and mm-hmm. so they 're able to live longer because of the all the travel they have done in space, and it allows one of the characters to be able to see evil turn to good and uh, it's it's a fascinating series um, it 's written by a woman who uh, grew up Catholic, became an atheist, and then converted to Judaism. So, if you want to have one of the most interesting experiences ever in literature, her books are fascinating. In fact, I'd I'd love to actually do them on the show one time. Uh, so, check those out mm-hmm. by Mary O'Dory Russell. Uh, but it it basically goes into what we're talking about here, and and I think it, the way that she talks about that whole idea is is fantastic. So, um, but yeah, it definitely the way that Logan lives here is so interesting because it really. It also dovetails straight into the main question of the movie, which who is Logan. Yeah. And I I also thought that that was a really fun question to get in this film, especially since you know we've had the four other movies with him and this one kind of finally dives into the big question of his experiences and who he is and who he'll choose to be in the future
1: Yeah, and I feel like I feel like a lot of the personal growth that happens for him in this movie ha- is part of what makes his character uh, so stable and interesting when we get to days of future past later um, because he's he's having to work through all that stuff in this movie. And I'm a big fan of samurai movies and I'm a big fan of westerns. So to have him kind of characterized as this ronin just feels so appropriate for his character at the point in in his life that he's at right now. And I think James Mangold was the perfect director for this. He's directed one of my favorite westerns. I love 310 to Yuma. And if you haven't seen... James Mangold's version of this movie, you really need to see it. And as someone who is a fan of Westerns and samurai films, there's, if you don't know the history of these two genres, there's all of this interplay back and forth between the Western and the samurai genre. They are constantly inspiring one another, um, which is, you know, it's one of the fun things about watching samurai movies and, and Westerns kind of back to back. And this movie is like just fun for me on a geeky level because it's got that Western kind of feel to it. It's got that samurai movie kind of feel to it. And yeah, again, James Mangold was just a great guy to pick for that, I think.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, obviously the the samurai films of, uh, you know, like a Kurosawa uh, have a lot of influence here in what they're trying to do, but also the spaghetti Western, like you're talking about uh have a big influence as well, even on the music. Uh the yeah. the composer uh Marco Beltrami even said that that he you know he scored 310 to Yuma and they really wanted this uh noir spaghetti western feel for the the, the uh sound for mm-hmm. for the score. And I think that it definitely comes across. And I think you're absolutely right. It, it makes for a really interesting question because you get Yukio, you know, saying that she believes that Logan is a soldier who is looking for a good death. And, and, and what she's saying there is not that he, he longs to die, but he he's wants a cause to which that he could apply himself that if it led to that, he'd be willing to die for. You know yeah. What's that thing he's going to live for?
1: That and, honorable death.
0: Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um. And, and, and what are the, what is it that transcends all of these lifetimes that, I mean, and in, in what are the values that transcend all of these lifetimes that would be worth him holding on to, that would be a cause that would be worth that, you know? um which is a big question.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know that is really the central theme for so many of those great western and samurai films. It's that lone warrior, that reluctant hero that comes in and doesn't want to get involved in the situation but can't help himself because in the end he's an honorable person and is willing to put his life on the line when it's a just cause.
0: Yeah, exa- and 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 what I love about the whole idea with, you know, the Ronin is this experience that the the person that has been kind of a guiding force in his life, not just Jean, but really Professor X is gone mm-hmm. at this point. That he thinks it's gone. Yeah. And and so he is in somewhat, and in some ways, leaderless and masterless as that samurai. And he doesn't have that kind of, Shining light to just to, to help show him the way uh, and to kind of come out of the darkness to which he's in. And, and what's so fun about the movie, I think, is that, you know, in the wake of Gene's death, uh, it is these two women who are going to help that happen for him, mm-hmm. uh, which is, is, is really cool because it doesn't, I don't think this is uh, just using women to prop up a male character because I think they're really important in the story. And the fact that he's the one that needs help, I think is, is, is really nice as well. But I love his relationship with Yukio and Mariko in the story. And each of them play a different role because yeah. one of them kind of plays the sister and the other one kind of plays the lover. And it's both of these women that help show him that there is a way to move forward, you know? And then it's that difficult aspect of connecting back with people. Um, even though you've been hurt by that connection, obviously having to kill the person you loved most in the world, and to save others. But that doesn't mean we stop connecting. And I love the way in which they're able to show him that. Uh, specifically, I love uh, you know Yukio because I just think she is so much fun. She, she is, is just a joy to watch on screen.
1: She is, and we don't get enough of her, and I, I'm kind of disappointed that they just sort of dropped her character between this movie and uh, Days of Future Past, because mm-hmm. he, he, she's this kind of character that clearly he, he's just not going to be able to get rid of, right? So what happened to her? Because she was his bodyguard, so where did she go, Right. <laughs> Well
0: and and if I uh, if you want more of her, she's an arrow, she plays katana and oh. she's fantastic. So if you want more of this this type of character, she plays a, a very similar role. uh she's wonderful, um uh, but no I'm, at, I'm I'm right there with you, and I think you know the story does a decent enough job of showing why she's not in the movie for a while because they're in hiding and they don't want anybody to know where they are. But I do absolutely agree that I love when she's on screen and I love her repartee with Hugh Jackman. I think it's fantastic. I think they have a a fun chemistry. Uh, When he throws that dude out the window, (laughs) and she's like, This is totally from James Bond, too. Uh, And she's like, Did you know there was a pool down
1: there? Oh, I love that. I didn't know there was
0: a pool. You know, that whole (laughs) thing that just it's played so well between them. So I I just. I really, I really like her. And I also thought it was interesting because the power that she has, you know, a precognitive mutant, that's a, I mean, that would be a power that I wouldn't really want to know when everybody's going to die.
1: Yeah, I don't think I'd want that power either. But, uh, you know, I think one of the cool things about it is how useful it is. Like when she's fighting uh, Viper who's a horrible character, by the way. But when she's fighting Viper, like she's totally confident because she knows how it's going to end.
0: That's a good point. <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a- yeah, that's actually a really good point. You know, I didn't actually think about that. But I, I-, I love that. No, I-, I think she's an example of a good female character. And um, I wanted to ask you about Merico. Because, you know, obviously, she becomes the love interest. But there's a scene I don't know. Have you seen the unleashed extended cut of the film?
1: Yeah. um, I think the one i i I, I own it, so I've seen it several times. The one I watched today was the theatrical release. but, um pretty sure I've seen the ultimate whatever mm-hmm. whatever cute name they came up with for the director's yeah. cut for this one uh, a couple of times. yeah.
0: But one of the things that I really like about that version as opposed to the theatrical version is that there is an extended scene at the hotel, the love hotel mm-hmm. they go to, and she saves his life. Uh, they are um, It's not just that he faints. There are men that are after them, and uh, Logan is fighting them, and because he's been losing so much blood, they're able to... Uh, Take him down. They have him with a taser, and mm-hmm. she takes that spaceship keychain. Oh yeah, the keychain. Pull that, pulls that off, and she throws it at one of the guys and kills him. Yeah, and it allows Logan to be able to to defeat the other guys. Uh, and so, and then that actually plays into the other part of the movie when they go to the secret house and she's talking about the Archer and she's telling the story and he, she's saying well, he was with the bow and I was with the knives. Yeah. Well, that doesn't make any sense without that scene where you see her take this thing and just, you know, from a building.
1: Well, you can kind of see it in the scene where they're escaping the uh, funeral. Um, you can, because there's a couple of ha- really... Yeah, she has some skill. Yeah, there's a couple of really quick cuts where you see her really handling her knife well. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's really subtle and if you blink, you miss it. Um, so yeah. I, I agree with you that it's kind of a... I think it's kind of a bummer that they cut that scene out of the theatrical release because it's pretty clear that she is not completely helpless and she can certainly take care of herself. It's just not on camera a lot. It's mostly told Mm -hmm. to us, which makes it less impactful for her as a character.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the thing that I like about that added scene because it helps show that she isn't completely helpless, but just as anybody who has, you know, the whole yakuza after them. Yeah. You're going to need some backup, you know. It's tough. It, 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 yeah, exactly. Unless you're Wolverine with his <laughs> powers fully intact and not being hampered in any way, uh, you know, you, you need backup. Yeah. So, no, I I actually I really uh, enjoy her character, but I also enjoy I think the way that she cares for Logan the way that she sees somebody who's broken and she wants to help him. And I thought that was an interesting thing to watch her, not even with a ton of, um, I mean, she's not pushy or anything like that. She just slowly becomes a presence to which he can become used to, and then he opens up too. Yeah. I thought that was pretty fascinating. Well, so, she, I,
1: she is persistent though, because he you know, he has called out Jean's name around her multiple times and, and she is persistent about asking him who's Jean, who is Jean. She's not pushy, but she's persistent. And I, I, uh, I think that's a great aspect of her character because I think so many people, when there's someone around them that they care about and they see that they're upset about something rather than trying to push the issue, they, you know, Maybe this is just me. I have a tendency just not to ask, you know, I I don't want to I don't want to scratch at this wound and open it up for that person. Um, But she does. She goes right for it because she wants to understand him and help him. Well, and and
0: what's interesting is, I mean, just thinking about it kind of in medical terms, Sometimes a bone sets incorrectly and you have to break it and reset it. And in a lot of ways, I feel like this whole experience allows Logan to break some bones and reset them.
1: Literally and figuratively. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: and I, I think that that character allows him to be able to do that and gives him the space that, that, uh, of emotional safety yeah. to be able to do that. Uh, because obviously she cares for him and I think even you can see they they grow to love each other in a way. And so uh I, I like that. And and I think on top of Yukio, mm-hmm. both of them together give him that comfort, you know. Uh and, and I think I really I I just I like both of them a lot in the story. Um I will say you're absolutely right that Viper is the worst character.:
1: the worst. In she's this one story. of the worst things about this I, movie. It,
0: so originally they had talked to Jessica Beale about playing this role. I could have. been. And talks stalled out, and, and she didn't take the role. I apologize to the actress, but I'm not going to try and pronounce her name here uh, because I would just completely butcher it. Uh, but I just
1: She's Russian, everybody and she has a very russian name so mhm
0: yes and i i i don't want to offend any russian listeners uh by totally butchering her name but uh the character of viper and the way that she's played is fan filmish
1: it's so out of place everything about her is out of place her dialogue the way her powers are presented uh, I think they re-recorded all of her audio in ADR, so her dialogue doesn't match her mouth a lot of the time. The way she speaks, it's just everything about her character feels off in this movie.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and I, I when you said that it, the way that they show her powers off, because this is actually a very... Well, okay, until we get to the very end, battle... <laughs> This is a very realistic film in and a lot a of ways. And it's a subtle movie too. Yes, exactly. And and there's no subtlety about her. She she is she's a mustache twirling villain yeah. who's a woman. Yeah. So apparently she's the bearded lady too. <laughs> so uh which you know if you're a mutant that could happen. But yeah. yeah, her her portrayal and the way her character comes off doesn't fit in to the way in which Mangold is crafting the rest of this film. I would even argue that the battle at the end fits, you know, a hundred times better than her character does. And, and mainly that's just because it's still a comic book movie. Yeah, uh, You know, and it seems even more legitimate than she is, <laughs> which is kind of sad to say.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if I'm being totally honest, I think you could, uh, you could easily have written her character out of the film easily because really she just shows up as a plot device and there are other ways to like introduce the weird bionic creature to Logan and knock somebody out like she spends most of her time knocking people unconscious. Yeah. She's just I, I'm she didn't need to be in the movie. She's totally useless.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I think uh, Shingen Yoshida which is the son is an interesting character for the film. And I like the way that they play him as this. And it's interesting because first off, he just kind of comes off as just complete villain. Yeah. Uh, Obviously he's, he's pretty horrible because he wants to kill his own daughter basically. But part of the reasoning behind it is the fact that his, his father, Mariko's grandfather has driven the business almost into the ground with the research that he's been doing into immortality in a way to elongate his life. He's been pouring all those research into that and destroying a company that used to be the pinnacle of Japanese business. And so it's it's interesting because there's a slight enough nuance to the character by adding that into you know, his his arc that you could see why he would be the way he is. Um, Of course, then the moment he wants to kill his own daughter to take back the company is when you lose him. But there's this little glimmer of understanding kind of what's going on with him. But, you know, I mean, in the end, he kind of becomes just another villain.
1: He does, which is disappointing because I really love Hiroyuki Sanada as an actor. And I think he's really underutilized in this film.
0: He is. He is. Um, Although he does have a pretty epic showdown with the katana, yeah. with Logan, uh, favorite fight
1: scene of the movie, by the way, he, it's yeah,
0: and it, uh, I mean they cut Hugh Jackman in half literally, <laughs> and he Darth Mauls himself back together. Uh, <laughs> it's awesome. It's uh, brilliant. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great scene, and and I agree with you. It it's it is kind of disappointing that he kind of becomes a another uh, just villain yeah which happens a lot of times in a lot of Marvel movies you know I would say that in 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 at least just the X-Men films you know it's it's hard to beat Magneto uh and you had just had Magneto played again so brilliantly uh with Michael Fassbender who is just beyond brilliant in that role and brought a whole new level to that yeah, character. He really and did. and then you get to this movie and and it's like
1: eh. this movie is suffering from too many villains.
0: Yeah. You're you're absolutely right because you know then Yoshida becomes the main villain mm-hmm. and uh, he is the one who is desiring to live forever. He's he's wanting to take Logan's power for his own and part of that is because of what he's been able to do in his life because of Logan's saving him. You know, he's built this massive company. He He's obviously done a lot of good for the world. That selfishness overtakes him and he takes everything he did good and almost runs it into the ground.
1: Yeah. And I think the film could have spent way more time examining that and examining his character because... He's such kind of a fascinating character because he's, he met Logan so long ago. And we don't really get to find out very much about how that encounter affected his life, just that it did. And we kind of take the movie's word for it. And then, you know, we spend all this time bouncing back and forth between him and his son and their different motivations. And then, you know, we have to deal with Viper whenever she shows up. And then Noburo is also kind of a villain, even though he only gets the one scene where he gets thrown over into the pool. So, yeah, I think if there's one thing that really this movie is lacking is in a, a better storyline for, vi- for their villains. And there's too many of them. Four is too many.
0: <laughs> and three. Three shall be the number to which you shall
1: count. Yes.
0: Not two, not four... But three. With three, <laughs> no. three. Three yeah, would have no, been I, better.
1: Two would have been better than that, you know? Yes.
0: Yes. No, I, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head in, in that you get this kind of narrative uh, jumble with yeah. the villains because they are trying to juggle too many different characters. And, you know, even with the Archer 2, who's uh, a part yeah. of the, the Black Clan, uh, and everything, you know, there's that in the mix as well. Yeah, and, and that's so a it whole becomes...
1: confusing bunch of motivations too, yeah.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And I would say
0: everything is explained well enough in the movie, but you're having to take the time to do that in the film, and you could be using that narratively better if you were able to streamline some of the villains so it was more clear-cut and, and there, was a, a, there was just more clarity, I think, is, is really what you yeah. need in the villain storyline. So you can use that as a mirror for the hero storyline yeah. because that's what's happening here anyway. But when you have all of these other villains, you're actually kind of hurting the mirror you're trying to put up against Logan.
1: Yep, absolutely. You're completely right about that. Which you know I,
0: I we talked a little bit about, and I think there's some some great action sequences in this film and and the one that i you said that your favorite fight scene was the one with uh Shingen and Logan at the house with their swords, yes, well, okay, uh claws and swords yes. um. Mine is the train fire. I
1: was wondering if that was going to be your favorite. That's a great scene, though. There's nothing it wrong is. with that scene. It's just a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. And and you know what the amazing thing about it is? Is it totally looks real.
1: It does. I don't think they, that's how physics would really work in the real in the real world if that was to happen. However. Probably not.
0: It looks probably amazing not. on camera. It does. It does. They did such a great job of... Filming on the trains in Tokyo
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so that they could use that then on the blue, the green screen and create this fight sequence to which still I'm, I was watching it and I was watching it very carefully and very critically to see if this still holds up. And I have to say it looks just as good and just as convincing as it did the first time I saw it on the big screen. And this is a, An incredible fight and a very imaginative one. I mean, when you realize you're going like 300 miles an hour on one of these bullet trains and you're having a fight on top of it, it's just, you know, that's the kind of stuff that comic book movies are kind of made of, you know?
1: Well, and the, the fight on top of the train is such an action movie trope at this point. Like, how many times have we seen our hero fighting the bad guy on top of a train, right? But... This just felt fresh. It didn't feel like I've seen this happen many times before. And I thought it was just really fun. I'm right there with you. It's probably my second favorite scene in the whole movie. Yeah. And when
0: when he finally gets back to her, he's like, we have to get off right now. And she's like,
1: what happened
0: to you? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That, and and I do have to say, there are some pretty funny jokes in this movie. Um, I really like when he's like, uh where's the good part of town? And she's like eight blocks that way. Mm-hmm. He's like okay, we're staying here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and this one has a lot less humor I think than some of the other X-Men movies, but I but when it does show up, I think it's all good stuff.
0: Oh gosh! I, every time when he's getting cleaned in the bathhouse, oh my god! He's like, no, I, 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 can do that part. I can, I can do that part.
1: That is such a great <laughs> scene. I love that scene, and I'm not just saying it's great because I totally love all the eye candy happening because that's definitely <laughs> a big part of it. But it's just funny.
0: It is very funny, and I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, it's Hugh Jackman. It's eye candy for every. Oh my god!
1: He looks so good in this movie like Mm -hmm. he just really he was so ripped when he filmed this yeah i can't get over it it also makes me so excited for logan yeah i mean because he's just he takes his wolverine training so seriously i mean the first movie the first x-men movie he he didn't know what he was doing he went into that totally unprepared and if you hear him talk about it it's pretty funny um but after that was so successful for him, he was like, oh, I got to take this seriously. And man, he really, really does. It's incredible to watch him get ready for these movies.
0: Well, I think, I think that one of the cool things, that it, because he started doing that, it's kind of transferred into a lot of the other superhero roles. And when I think about yeah. uh, the regiment that uh, Henry Cavill puts himself on to be Superman. Yeah, it's you know, real similar, I think. It is and, and and what I love about that is because I think he sensed the same thing that uh, Hugh Jackman did after his first film, mm-hmm. which is to realize the responsibility of playing this role. yeah, and he took it very seriously. If I'm going to bring this role to screen, I need to live up to what this character is, and, and both of those characters, in so many ways, are people that are just They're known just for their brawn, yeah, you know and So it's it's very important. I mean, not just that, but obviously it's a huge part and I think he he just does it so well and and so
1: I mean, if you're gonna nitpick, obviously Hugh Jackman is way too tall to play five foot three Wolverine. But he at least takes the get beefy part really seriously. So I can totally forgive that. And he's just been a phenomenal he's just been phenomenal in the role from the get go. So I you know, I'm not gonna nitpick on the height thing.
0: Well, and, and the great thing about the extended cut too is you get a couple of F-bombs in there. Yeah. So it feels just like Wolverine, uh, which is wonderful. And there's more blood in it too, yes. which is, I mean, and I know that sounds weird to say like that's a good
1: thing, but
0: it just makes more sense for a Wolverine yeah. movie. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's he's a violent character. He always has been. And I think part of the reason why I loved this movie so much when it came out is because I feel like Mangold was finally sc- finally scratching the surface at how violent and visceral Wolverine is as a character. This felt the most Wolverine on screen out of anything that I had seen before then. I think they've done a good job of kind of ramping it up every movie. Um, But this one was just even a bigger step in the right direction for me.
0: I think you hit something on the head that I really like is the fact that there's this as you said, visceral nature to who Wolverine is. Yeah. And a part of that is the fact that Wolverine can't be hurt. You know, so he has never really learned a fighting style. It is just all out brawn. Yeah, I just mean, rip
1: him apart.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, much like uh, the, the animal, the Wolverine. Exactly. Uh, and so uh, that's one of the things I really like. And it was also very interesting. One of the things I like about the movie is that they allow Logan to experience not having the full extent of his powers. Obviously he's still very strong, but he's not healing as quickly and he's getting tired and those kind of things. And I thought that was really interesting as well to have him have to learn Mm -hmm. to do things a little bit differently. He can't just go in there, claws a (laughs) blazing, you know, no, no regard for the, for the rest of himself, which is always just healed it, that's not going to be the way it works, and so I actually I thought that that was a smart thing to to pull back some of his power for a while, so you create a character that you actually worry about for a little bit in this movie. Like, are they are we going to find out what's wrong? What's wrong with him?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that also is part of what makes that fight scene that I love so much with him and Shingen is because he's finally back to his old self. And so he's healed in more ways than one, right? Like he's healed emotionally at this point and he's healed physically. And so now he is full on the Wolverine. And that fight scene ends with him saying who he is. He's the Wolverine. And so there's so much satisfaction involved in that scene because it's so violent and it's so visceral. It's Wolverine 100% in that fight scene for me.
0: And that it's not a bad thing to be the Wolverine. Exactly. You know, the, the, the beginning of the movie, he said he would never hurt anyone again. He made the vow to Gene because of what happened. But him realizing that, yeah, well, and this is very different than most superhero genres, but to take a life is okay. Like that, to be the Wolverine and to bring justice. That's what he's called to do. And there's a huge injustice that's happening here and he can put it right. And, and therefore that's what the call of the Wolverine is.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's very much him embracing his nature, right? Every one of us has our own unique and individual nature that we can't deny. And he has spent a lot of this movie attempting to do that, to deny his nature, to deny who he is. And so he ultimately ends up embracing it and using it for good, even if it means that he's super violent, right? And
0: that's what we love about Wolverine. That is what
1: we love about Wolverine. <laughs> I hate to say it, but... Yeah. No, it's okay. No, just let it go. I just, love just violent let movies. I can't help myself. Yeah. What did you end
0: up thinking about the the battle with the Silver Samurai and, uh, you know, this uh, Animantium lightsaber uh, that they end up fighting with, uh, because I—I I mean, it does. You know, the movie does kind of go from something that's a lot more grounded to something that becomes a lot more comic booky. Yeah. Is that a whiplash for you, or do you just kind of go with it?
1: Uh, man, it's—I have such mixed feelings about it because it's so. Ultimately, it's not my favorite part of the film. Uh, It's—it feels really anticlimactic and it's just so cheese balls. Like everything about that fight scene to me just gets really really cheesy. So I just kind of I just kind of roll with it. <laughs> if I'm going to be totally honest, when it's on I just kind of roll with it. I've already made it through my favorite part of the movie at that point so I'm like, "All right, well, here's falling action for me." And my husband was a really big fan of The Silver Samurai and he's this is not the Silver Samurai from the comics. Like it's just not. So it happens to be called the Silver Samurai. It's not the Silver Samurai. Right,
0: right. Which, I mean, uh, to be fair, in, in a lot of comic book movies and or TV shows, they make whatever is in the comics their own. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's part and parcel of what you do when you're making a, a superhero movie.
1: I'll say this. Uh,
0: part of what doesn't help is the Viper part of this scene.
1: Yeah, that's definitely one of the big detractors from that whole exactly. scene.
0: Exactly. Uh, It doesn't help at all. Uh, The other thing uh, that doesn't help is just everything that's going on around the fight that's kind of taking away from the fight between Wolverine and this character. Mm -hmm. Where it becomes better is the moment you realize who it is. You know, like when the helmet gets taken off and you know it's Yoshida. And uh, that's when things get a little bit more interesting. And I think uh, the moment to that uh Mariko, you know, throws one of the animantium claws that have been taken off of Wolverine into her grandfather's head to save Logan's life. I mean, I, I think that's where the the real stuff starts to happen. That yeah. the actual the rest of the fight is is all like you said, it's very comic booky, it's very cheesy. It's
1: very filler filling.
0: Exactly. But they I, I feel like they redeem it a little bit at the end when they allow those character moments to happen. Yeah. Uh and I find it very satisfying to have the bone claws come out. I love the
1: bone claws. That's one of my favorite things about this movie is we get to see the bone claws.
0: And I mean, you know, those come out and he jabs those into him and throws him off that cliff and you're like, "Oh yeah."
1: Sayonara. I like Exactly. I kind of cringe whenever that happens, but it's also totally awesome in that super geeky nerdy dorkish way
0: <laughs> yeah
1: when he says sayonara
0: all you can think of is like that's your you know hasta la vista baby <laughs> yeah exactly. I mean you know it, it, yeah you got to give it to him um
1: <laughs> how can you not say that right <laughs>
0: it, it, The the one thing that I'm really thinking about that last fight so he almost has his immortality drained yeah and I'm wondering if that is going to be a story point that has Logan where he is in Logan, where you can see that it's a character who has started to age, started to not heal completely, has scars all over his body from places where his body isn't healing anymore. Uh, I'm wondering if that's what where we're getting and why we'll kind of be getting this old man Logan because of part of what happened here, where a good majority, almost all of his regenerative powers were taken from him. Obviously, not completely, but, I mean, and then his experience, when you think of it in Days of Future Past, the stretching of those powers, um, you know, to help save everyone uh, as he's being pulled into two different directions. I mean, I'm just wondering if they're going to use all of that to explain.
1: That's an interesting... That's actually a really interesting uh, thought line of thinking. Um, and I hadn't gone there at all just because Old Man Logan, the comic book run, is like one of my favorite things that I've ever read, ever. Um, so I'm a huge fan of that. And I know that it's, a sor- it's one of the sources of inspiration for Logan. Um, but since it's mangold, right? Like I-, I think you're making a great point that I could see him taking that plot point and using it in, in Logan. I think he might be onto something. I think they could just you know ignore it completely. In Old Man Logan, it's just that it's happening so far in the future, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's quite so far in the future in mm-hmm. in Logan based on the previews. So I, I think that could be, definitely be a valid argument there.
0: It, it just, the reason... I asked the question was because of the connection you know that you get with Mangold being the director. Yeah. And obviously what has happened yeah. to him in this film and so I I don't know it it could obviously I'm, I I could, could be completely way off and and that's okay. It was just a a question that I had because of watching this movie now, seeing the yeah. previews and it's pure speculation, so I've no idea what will happen. But I I I I like the idea personally.
1: Yeah, and and I don't think it's I don't think it's too much of a stretch to to have gone in that direction because I mean like you said his it's mangled, It's the same director. I mean, this is his film, and he's doing the next one, and really, his regenerative powers were really pushed to their limit in this movie, um, way farther than we'd seen before. This one came out for sure, so mm-hmm. I mean, I I certainly think that's possible. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I I think it'd be cool. Uh, in, in any sense of the word that just leaves me uh, watching this one does leave me excited, obviously, to see Logan next week, and Gosh, so I'm. Just I'm Yes. Yeah, super pumped for that. And uh, I guess the main question becomes here at the end: what do you rate The Wolverine, Megan?
1: Uh, I'd give it a four out of five. It's definitely not a, I'd give it four bone claws out of five. Um, it, it's not a, a perfect movie. I think we've done plenty, talked about plenty today to point out its flaws. But despite its flaws, I mean, I am just so into this cinematic Marvel universe. And this iteration of the Wolverine character and I think this was a great addition to some a great addition to the whole storyline. So I still really enjoy it, even though it's not a great it's not a perfect movie, but I love it.
0: No, I'm right there with you. Actually, uh rewatching the film, I, I changed my uh rating from three point five to four parasitical Power stealing (laughs) micro machines, Uh, and I, I really, I actually, I what I come away with from this film is the enjoyment of being with the character that I like.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, and I feel like
0: for all the flaws that we have talked about, I feel like it does justice to Wolverine for me personally. You know, and and, you know. if if you have a different opinion, I'd love to hear it. But because I'm I don't know the comics, uh, the Marvel comics, the way that I do DC comics, and so therefore it's easier for me sometimes to just accept these films because I don't have a preconceived notion of what the character is other than what's on screen. But for the Hugh Jackman experience, which we all love,
1: who does uh, love Wolverine, the Hugh Jackman experience? Uh, yeah,
0: that sounds like a ride I want to be I on.
1: I do want to be on that ride. <laughs> 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 uh, oh my so, gosh.
0: Um, as we're both blushing now, uh, <laughs> completely. The Hugh Jackman experience that we are on in this film, I think he does such a good job of bringing us on that emotional roller coaster with this character that we've been following now for four films. And, you know, this movie is up to this point. I would say it's in the top three of X-Men films. Yeah. You know, I mean, because yeah. First Class, X2, and this were definitely the best X-Men films that they'd done to this point.
1: I totally agree,
0: yeah. And, you know, you can talk about where those place in those three, and and that's fine, but it's definitely the top three. Because uh, I, I, I never want to watch last stand again personally (laughs) and i never want to watch wolverine origins again oh it's so So, bad yeah uh, that's uh, and 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 i maybe it's that because of that i can put this up higher but still i regularly will go back and watch this movie because i do enjoy it yeah so I, i think that speaks highly and that's one of the things about any comic book movie you know if you like it and you enjoy it that's what matters, and it's been fun, you know, to kind of get to talk through this one and get ourselves super pumped for uh, the next Hugh Jackman experience um, coming up next week with Logan. Let us know what you think. Uh, again, hit us up on Twitter, facebook.com slash FM or the Babel Conference. Let us know what you think of the Wolverine. I'd love to hear that. Um, or, hey, just hit us up on iTunes so you can put that in your review, what you thought. That'd be great. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. Uh, we want to say a huge thank you to the associate producers here through Patreon, Ken Tripp and Davis Grayson. Really appreciate that each of these gentlemen help make sure that everything on Trek FM comes to you each and every week. Uh, now, this is an important thing, and I'm sure a lot of people, you may buzz through this, but it is uh, without the support of listeners just like you. There's absolutely no way that we can have this network. Uh, It's just too big. There's too much for us to all take care of for those of us behind the mic and behind the scenes. So we ask you to go to patreon.com slash trackfm to see how you can help us a little bit each and every month. Make sure that all the shows that you enjoy keep coming to you. So I hope that that, uh, you will go and check that out. Again, that's patreon.com slash trackfm. Megan. Ah, God, it's been such a wonderful experience to have you here talking about Wolverine. Uh, Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. Um, If anybody wants to hit you up on the interwebs and talk some more movies or anything else that's going on, where can they find you?
1: So if you want to find me online, I am on Twitter at Meg Calcote. That's at M-E-G-C-A-L-C-O-T-E. And I'm also on Instagram under that handle. And uh, pretty much all I post on there is pictures of my dogs and my yoga practice. But hey, if you feel if you're into that stuff, come and find me over there. But I talk about all kinds of stuff on Twitter. So feel free to hit me up over there.
0: Well, I am so excited that you're going to be back next week. I love having you here on the show. Of course, uh, you are welcome into the 602 Club anytime. Hopefully it'll get fixed up soon. Uh, so because that logan dude made a mess Tell i what. know it's a mess uh, in here <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on twitter matt rushing 02 i'm also on instagram at mrushing i am here on the network doing the orb with chris jones talking about d space nine and of course doing star wars a 602 club collection along with the 602 club you can find all of those on itunes and all your various pod catching devices over on the nerdparty.com doing a Couple of great shows that I need you to check out. You're gonna love them. If you like Star Wars, you're gonna want to check out Aggressive Negotiations that I'm doing with John Mills. We really just have a blast doing that show. We're talking anything and everything under the sun having to do with Star Wars each and every week. Make sure that you check us out, Aggressive Negotiations. And then, as you've heard her a bunch of times on the network, uh, Drea Kaufman and I,
1: my good are friend. On
0: yeah, good friend Drea Kaufman. Love Drea. We're doing Owl Post, talking about Harry Potter. We're walking through each and every chapter of Harry Potter from start to finish. We are right in the middle of book one. It's the perfect time to catch up. We're going slow. We're having a great time, kind of dissecting every little nook and cranny of these Harry Potter chapters and, and seeing what this is all about. I hope you'll join us there. Of course, that is also on iTunes. So Aggressive Negotiations, Owl Post. All of them on iTunes. Check it out. You'll love it. I promise. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back down here.